First of all, I want to say that I love the theme of this conference, lift, because we are here to encourage each other, but then it also has another meaning, like living in faith together. What is it called when you do that? You take the letters and make words. What? Okay. I heard like four, three things. <clears throat> Acronym, okay. Well, I like those. Um, and so I wanted to talk the last thing about uh, that. We are lifted when? Um, I noticed that I used a lot of W's in my titles of these things that we talked about. I don't know why. But um, I want to talk about uh, different ways that, that our hearts are lifted, that we are encouraged, that we live in faith together. These are the kind of things that need to happen for us to move closer to God and closer to each other. And so I'm just going to jump right on in. This time has come and gone, hasn't it? Y'all are sweet. Um, but I want to go ahead and jump on in to the very first one. It is called, We Are Lifted When We Bear Witness of the Light and Lift Jesus High. When we bear witness of the light and lift Jesus high. Have you guys heard, um, there's this verse in the Bible, it was John the Baptist talking, and he said, um, he must increase, but I must decrease. Um, our souls are satisfied completely in God when our focus is to bring glory to his name. When everything that we live for and do is to point people to Jesus, to lift his name high. You, have you ever noticed that, you know, when you get so wrapped up in yourself, um, like focusing on yourself and your problems and how it just kind of like weighs you down and, and uh, just puts this kind of dark cloud over you? I'm convinced that a lot of the things that we have going on um, in, in our nation today with like depression and anxiety have a lot to do with, I mean, sometimes it can't be helped and I get that, but a lot of it has to do with we're focusing so much inward we're not focused outward. Our focus is not lifting Jesus high. It's getting myself right. Um, and it makes for a small package, and it makes for depression problems that we can't get over because we're looking to ourselves for the answers. The more I look inward, the, the worse my problems are going to get. And the more I focus my attention on Christ, the load gets lighter. You know that verse that says... Um, where he's talking and he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We talked about this in the first session. When you feel so weighted down that you can't go on, that is not the burden that Christ meant for you to carry or you're not carrying it in his strength. You're trying to do it on your own. So, so the very first thing I just wanted to talk about is we are lifted when we bear witness of the light, like we just reflect Jesus, we just shine and lift him high. If you guys will look in John 1, I knew this was going to be the last time I was talking and I just wanted to like load it up with Bible, like big old sections of Bible. So we're going to be reading a lot. 
but it's going to be amazing. 1 John 1, 1 through 16 says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. I knew what I was going to be saying in this one, and it kind of bled over in the last session um, because John the Baptist was just fresh on my mind and weird with the camel fur and bugs and all. So anyways, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives life to everyone, was coming into the world. Okay, John got to know that ahead of time. And I just don't even know that people may not thought I was crazy too if I knew that. You know, remember when um, John was in his mom's belly and she was pregnant with him and then Mary, the mother of Jesus, shows up and John like already was leaping in Elizabeth's womb. Because the Savior was near, like, he, he was already excited, but how could you not be? <laughs> how could you just not be? So he knew what he was there to do, and he knew who Jesus was. I just got a feeling that if it was me, I would be like, I got to wear this camel fur and live in the desert because I cannot even control myself around normal people. This is too good. I'll just eat this bug. I don't have time to go to a restaurant or whatever they had. Anyways. But, he, you know, I would just, I feel like I might be a little crazy, too, if I had that great news that I was supposed to tell everyone. So, that was free, and that's just what I wonder. But, <laughs> he came to bear witness of the light. I'm going to read verse 9 again. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God." In the last session, we talked about we are children of God. If you have been born again, accepted Christ as your Savior, we are his children, not born of flesh and blood and all that stuff, but of God. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. This message that John gave about just he's the Savior, he pointed people to Jesus. And John had a great following. You know, he was down at that river baptizing all the time. Because Jesus came up to him to be baptized of him. And John had a following. But John knew it was not about him. 
And all those people that were following him, he was just saying, I'm just preparing the way for this guy, this God man. And he was like, you know what? When it came right down to it, he said, I must decrease so that he must increase. And this is why I came. We are here on this earth. I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit, but to fulfill the Great Commission, Yes, God wants to reconcile us to him. But then after that, the Bible says we are ministers of reconciliation. We let our light shine. We shine it out in our workplaces, in our families, our friends. And yes, even in our churches, we should just be all about the Father's business. All about proclaiming the Great Commission, going into this world and making disciples is what it's about. The things that God calls us to do to serve in his church, to serve in ministry, it is all working together for this one great thing, this great commission he left us with, by the way, as he was ascending back up into heaven. And I'm like, you know, if I could have been part of something, I mean, it was kind of sad when he died on the cross and people thought, you know, all hope was lost and stuff and the resurrection was amazing. But that part, when he was like ascending back up into heaven, it was literally all done. The church age was being ushered in. That great commission was being left. And when I read that, in my mind's eye, just picture me just standing there like, okay, God, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and make disciples and shine my light, reflect your glory. Because hope comes only from God. And if you, sh- if you put yourself too high, people are going to put their hope in you. And we fail, right? Because we're human. We don't want to put ourselves so high that people are like, look what a great Christian she is. Ooh, look at her. You know what? Every time I need prayer, I'm going to go to her. When something bad happens in my life, I'm going to go to her. Because number one, you do that and you're going to burn out. You're going to be having a bad day and you're going to shatter someone's world with something that you said that you shouldn't have said. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't bear one another's burdens and be there for each other, but it should be a constant pointing to Jesus. Yes, I'll pray with you, but here's the thing. Don't ask me to pray for something for you that you are not going to be on your face before God praying yourself. I'm not going to pray through for you, but I will pray with you. And that is a major difference that we need to implement and understand. So... The first one is we bear witness of the light and lift Jesus high. All we're doing is telling the story, you know. And when we get to a point, I've heard some people say, why do you preach the gospel so much? What else is there to preach? I mean, there are things that we disciple and things that we grow in and stuff, but that's the forefront forefront of what we do is we preach the gospel and then we grow, you know, we make disciples. And that's the other thing. The reason sometimes people make a profession of faith and then you never see them again is because some churches get so focused on making converts that they don't make disciples. And those babies in Christ are either thrown back out into the world or they never grabbed hold of salvation to begin with, the truths of salvation. So we need to be focused on not just leading people to Christ and, you know, clapping big when they come to him, But we are called to disciple, go into the world and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we bear witness of the light and we lift Jesus high. Number two, we are lifted when 
we humble ourselves, comma, serve, and lift Jesus high. And no, I was not running out of words, but everything that we do that is going to lift us is going to originate with us lifting him high. It's going to originate with his glory, with us pointing people to him. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He is our hope. Our hope should be in him. That hope is unshakable. When our hope is put into a pastor or a leader or this really mature Christian that we see over here, that's a shakable hope. But the hope that we have placed firmly in God is unshakable, and it will last forever. So we are lifted when we humble ourselves, serve, and lift Jesus high. Matthew 20, 28. Jesus is our example, right? And here's what it said about him. I'm sorry, I had way too much candy. Okay. Can you tell? Do I feel a bit sugar rush this time? I feel, I feel like spurts of excitement just shoot out. Um, but this is exciting news, too. So lo- the Lord knows what you need to deliver what you need to deliver. Matthew 20, 28 says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And it, uh, it's talking about more stuff, and I could have added a longer passage there, but I got a lot to wade through right now. The point I just wanted to bring out of that passage was, if Jesus himself did not come to be served, and, and hey, didn't he actually deserve it? I mean, he could say, I'm here in this world I made, and just serve me right now. But Jesus came into this world, he humbled himself, he washed the disciples' feet, which was disgusting. And here's the other part. It wasn't just the disciples that were doing amazing right things. Jesus washed Judas's feet too. And that hits a nerve. Because the people that caused trouble... I mean, Jesus knew what Judas was going to do. And he was, a, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. And he overcame the temptation to be like, you need to get to stepping. You're a troublemaker. You know, Judas was in charge of the money, doing whatever he wanted to do with the money. And when the woman, like, poured that expensive perfume on Jesus' feet, what was Judas saying? Well, she should have kept that and gave it to the poor. Basically, so probably so I could, like, put it in my money bag and have extra money. You know, Judas was always doing things like that and ultimately betrayed Jesus. But could you imagine him having to sit there looking into the face of the Son of God, washing his feet and knowing what he just did, knowing what he was fixing to do? That's the thing. Like when you when you humble yourselves and you serve someone, Jesus is like, you know, it's fine that you love people that love you back, but that's not saying much. And he went one step further, and he said, but I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to those who spitefully use you. And that is so hard, but when you look at what Jesus did, and he's our example, we don't have a leg to stand on to ever look at someone and say, I don't think I can forgive you for that. Because the Bible says, like we forgive others, God forgives us. And we know that Jesus, when he died on the cross, died for every sin we ever committed, past, present, and future. Like even the ones we don't know we're going to do yet, 
He died for those and forgave us for those things. It just sounds so outrageous. And I mean, I have been in that place too. I'm not pointing fingers. I have been sitting on my bed saying, it is so hard for me to forgive that person. But it's, it's hard to say that to God and not immediately think of what he did for us. You know, we forgive. The quickest way to get rid of an enemy is to make that enemy your friend. That is deep. That's one of those things that I could just sit, stare at the wall, and think about for a while. But I won't right now. Okay. Jesus came not to serve, uh, not to be served, but to serve. In the context of church, um, all too often, sometimes we get the feeling that it's okay for us to attend church, go home, and that counts. Like, I attended But God's church is on the move. God's church is a working body. We need every part doing whatever God has called you to do in that body, functioning together as Christ is the head of the church and we are the body. We need every part. So it's not to just come to church, hear the sermon, be like, that was really good, worship a little bit and go home. Jesus did not come to be served, and that looks a lot like being served. A lot of problems happen in churches where people get the mindset that I need to be served. Like my preferences come first. What I'm comfortable with doesn't need to change. They just feel, it's like, serve me. But we don't. We come into church to serve each other. To, in the capacity that God has called us to. And when we are all focused on serving, there's no room for pride or preferences, or comfort, because we're always asking God, what's the next thing? Are you going to, where am I going deeper? Take me deeper than my feet could ever wonder. You know, out of my comfort zone, great things happen out of our comfort zone. Only out of our comfort zone. Great things never happen where we're like, I'm good, I got this. That you're going to, if you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got, and God is calling us higher. Galatians 5.13 says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers, sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. That mentality of I'm coming to church to be served, that's like using our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But when we come into church and say, Lord, change me, make me more like you, how can I plug in? Where can I fit in this body of believers to accomplish this great commission together? Well, that's not using it for an opportunity for the flesh, but it is through love serving one another. Churches are healthy, churches grow, they're vibrant when everyone is thinking that way. Romans 12, 1 and 11. I wanted to do this whole thing, but I told y'all, I got a lot of Bible. So Romans 12, 1, we know this verse. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Another Bible version says, which is your reasonable service. That That puts it in perspective, like, Like, when you do this, when you offer your bodies to God as a living sacrifice, it's not something extraordinary that only the really super mega Christians do. 
this is something that every Christian should do, and it is our reasonable service. Like, this is the, like, this is the first thing we need to do. Offer our bodies to Christ as a living sacrifice. When we give our lives to Christ, they are not our own anymore. The Bible says you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies, which are his. It's not about my wants, my desires, my direction for my life, where I'm comfortable at. This, and I understand this is a lot, and I understand this is heavy. And it's something that you won't just, we can't just hear once, plug it in, and never have to come back to. This is something that we continually need to be bringing before the Lord, laying down our desires, our will, our direction, and asking him what his is. So, Romans 12, 1, uh, Romans 12, 11 says this. Do not be slothful or lazy in zeal or excitement, but be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Like, he's not just saying to be surrendered to God and to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, but do it like this. I'm here. I guess I'll work with the kids. I mean, kids are gross, and they're not my favorite, but God's calling me to work with the kids and whatever, so okay. Or put me where you need me because i got to offer my body to the Lord. You know? He said, don't be lazy in zeal. Like zeal, the excitement. You, you go in and you, you're excited, and you are fervent in spirit like like, I'm doing this for God. He has called me to it. He will be faithful to complete it through me. I cannot do this on my own, but this is going to be amazing. I don't even know how it's going to turn out, but I know that God's in control and his plans for me are good. Remember that verse? And serve the Lord. So we know that we're not just supposed to do it, but he wanted to make sure that we knew the attitude counts. That's also important. You know, I can't be a greeter because I'm too excited. I understand that. But some people shouldn't be greeters because their face is never happy. And it's almost like you walk into the new church and you wonder if you should go back the other way because it's like, I dare you to walk in the store. <laughs> so we want to be serving the Lord with gladness. That's another verse in the Bible. I forgot about that one. Serve the Lord with gladness, everyone. John twelve twenty six says this. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. In our last session, we sang that song, I Will Follow. And it's a catchy tune, but those lyrics are heavy. And, you know, you, you don't want to just sing that. I mean, I think it would be better to not sing at all if you just weren't feeling it. Because you're literally saying, where you go, I'll go. Who you love, I'll love. Where you serve, I'll serve. I mean, you might just want to stand back there and clap and just sort of look like, you know, don't sing it if you don't mean it. But he said, anyone, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. You cannot say, I serve God, and then not do what he's called you to do. Because you're not serving God if you're not following him. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11. This is another chunk. 1 Peter is amazing. You know, I told you, like, people don't read in Second Chronicles and stuff that much and all that. Some of those, like, 
prophets. It gets iffy. You need like a concordance and um, commentary to follow on. First Peter is not like that. It's very much in your face and awesome. First Peter 5, 6 through 11 says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. How many times do we ever get called in the rut of God has a calling on my life? I think it's really awesome. I'm very excited. So I think I need to lead this ministry or something like that. When God puts a call in your life, I know that it's very exciting. And I knew that, you know, God was going to use me in ministry somehow, but I wasn't sure how. And um, because I knew that's what I was going to do early on, I'm just like, why don't other people get this? Like, it's exciting. I need to be doing that. Like, I need to be up there. But God has a preparation time and a maturing process. And the Bible is saying right here, you humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you when it is time. He will put you in the place where he's called you to be when he has fully prepared you to do it. If he didn't, that would be kind of a mean father. That would be kind of a mean trick. If he just called you to do something and set you on the platform you were going to end up on, he would basically be setting you up for failure. And I didn't realize that before. And I used to be like, God, why have you called me to do this if I'm never going to get to or, you know, whatever. But he was so loving that he let me whine like that and still continued to prepare me for the things that he was going to put me doing. And I thank him for it. Verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. We don't lay down and die. We don't cower in a corner because Christ has overcome and Christ lives in us. And don't think that what you're going through is like way worse and more horrible than anyone else because he says, you know what? You need to realize that suffering goes on around the whole world. This is not new. The Bible says in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And I love this part. Love this part. In my old Bible, I underline this in a purple pen, and it has a teardrop, and it's smeared. And every time I see it, I realize that is when God spoke this verse to my heart at just the perfect time. Verse 10 says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. What I'm going through will not last. And I just need to stand firm in the faith, strong in his mighty power. And I love the part that says Christ will himself restore. Do you know that everything God does is good, amazing, and perfect, and wonderful? And when it happens, you would never trade it for anything? When I go through hard times, I want to just know and cling to the promise that on the other side of this, I'm coming out. I'm coming out victorious, and God will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish me. 
that gives us the staying power to stand strong in the storm because we know how it's going to end. Forever and ever, amen. And the very last one is we are lifted when we jump in the deep end and what? Lift Jesus high. You, I mean, I could have said it 7, 8, 10, 12, 15 more times. We are lifted when we lift Jesus high. That's the basic thing. But when we jump in the deep end and lift Jesus high, John 14, 12 through 14 says this. I've already said this verse. I knew I was getting to it, but I just can't help it. This, I love this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And if it stopped right there, I would just be blown away. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you take that verse out of context, you're going to think you're getting your Mercedes. But when you read in the context of what he is saying... It is to be spirit-filled, led by the Spirit. Your desires are in line with God's desires, and you are walking so closely with Jesus that the things you're asking for are things that will advance his kingdom here on earth. And when you and God are walking so closely, and you are praying prayers like, um, I'm sorry, I'm at Amy's table, so the things we discuss I, I think are pretty profound, and it's what sticks out. But she said, you know, the concept of praying God's word. It says the promises in Christ are yes and amen. That doesn't mean like I'm going to go pray for anything and God's going to tell me yes. And then you're going to be sad when he says, I don't think so. No, my child. The promises of God, the promises in his word, where we talked about if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. That is a thing. God put it in his word. He said, if you ask me for wisdom, I'm going to give you wisdom. He didn't say, if you ask me for riches in a really big house, I'm going to give you that. There's no promise to back that up. But when there is a promise in God's word, and you take that promise to God in prayer, number one, you know you're praying his will. And number two, you ask for anything like that in his name, and he will do it. That is powerful. That makes me want to get in the word to know what the promises are, and then get in prayer to become one with God. And pray his word and watch heaven open. That's exciting. So, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this. Oh, I had this verse in there. I thought I had to quote it from memory, but I didn't. 2 Corinthians 1.20, y'all. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. This is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. His promises are in here. His promises are for us to claim. And all of his promises are yes and amen. Do you need wisdom? Do you need direction? Do you need God's Holy Spirit to fill you and prepare you for the thing he's called you to do? He said, faithful is he who called you who also will do it. Pray that. Pray that. First Thessalonians. I promise I'm not reading ahead. 1 Thessalonians 5.24, he who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. (laughs) 
And in parentheses, I put with exclamation points, I like this one. <laughs> I really do because it takes the pressure off you to perform and to bring things to be yourself. If God's called you to do something, it will be above you. And if you try to do it yourself, you will fail. But even then, that's God's grace and mercy because he's showing us our need for him. Okay, this is my last passage. It's very exciting. It is in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 47, and starting in verse 1. Okay, some of this stuff is measurements, but stay focused, okay? Don't um, think about, like, you know, texting or um, what you're going to do when you get out of here or any of that stuff. Stay focused on this because I promise it's very good. Ezekiel 47, starting in verse 1. This is a, a vision Ezekiel had. Um, and this angel is guiding him around places. So um, that's what's going on. Then he brought me to the back door of the temple. This is Ezekiel talking. And behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple towards the east. The way that I get through this passage focused is I try to picture that, okay? The water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate, and he led me around on the outside of the outer gate that faces towards the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand, a thousand cubits. And then he led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. So this person that he's seeing in this vision that he had um, is measuring things out, and then Ezekiel's stepping into the water. So this, this guy measured a 1,000 cubits. Ezekiel stepped in, and it was ankle deep. So again he measured a 1,000 and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again, he gathered a thousand and led me through the water, and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw the bank of the river, very many trees on one side and on the other. So we got this vast river and then these wonderful trees. I hope you guys have a creative mind because I'm seeing it. Y'all should be seeing it. And he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into Araba and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And everywhere the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish. So this river that flowed into the sea, and we know that in the sea it's salty, this river that was flowing into the sea, when it hit the sea, that water turned fresh. Every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so that everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea, from En Gedi to En 
It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. Now, when I see that, and I see this river going and making the water fresh and all this, and very many different kinds of fish, I immediately think of the verse where Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And everyone's not the same. So um, because we have different personalities, sometimes churches focus on trying to make everyone who comes in uniform. But if we embrace our differences and our different personalities, but we all love Jesus, what's going to happen is we're going to reach way more people because we are diverse, but we are all serving God for this one purpose, right? So when we realize that these fish are out there and they're very different kinds, we're going to need all of us serving God in the capacity he's called us to, to reach these different kinds, right? And it says this, For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. You ever heard that song, I got a river of life flowing out of me. Everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea, from En Gedi to En Glame, I know I'm saying that wrong. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. So fishermen... (laughs) will stand beside the sea, and it will be a place for spreading of nets. Y'all are tracking. I know. I can see it on your face. So, its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month. The fruits of the Spirit pop in my head when I read that. They will bear fresh fruit every month. It didn't just stop and say they will bear fresh fruit and then it will rot. You know, the fruits of the Spirit should always be growing in our lives, right? And I'm not just saying once a month, but I'm saying that they put that in there just to say You know, there's fresh fruit every month. It's a thing that keeps happening. So, because uh, there will be fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. So, this river of life flows from the sanctuary. There's all these fish out there. The fishermen stand on the side of the river and cast their nets out. Fish are all different kinds. But the water that flows from the sanctuary, it said there will be fruit for food and leaves for healing. What should a church be when people come in? A place where they can heal? A place where they can be refreshed? The water, the river, and food, uh, find spiritual nourishment? And I was just reading this, and I was thinking like, Lord, okay, besides the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel, good with not knowing what's the rest of the stuff talking about. I'm like that. I have a friend, um, Amy and Matt's friend too, his name is Dan. He, it bugs him so bad when he gets to a part of scripture that he doesn't understand. And I'm just like, you know, if God meant for me to understand it, I would. I'm going to understand it by and by when I get to heaven. And um, for now, I'm good. I'm fine with that. I can sleep at night. (laughs) And it is so annoying to him. And you know, 
people that like to debate scripture or like dig deep and stuff, I do like to think deeply about scripture. But when it becomes a heated debate or discussion and I'm like, mm, this, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I know the gospel. I'm going to lead people to the Lord. Everything else that we could interpret different, I'm not going to just focus on that. I'm not going to engage in those meaningless debates that they talk about in the New Testament. I'm okay with not doing that. But the bottom line is, we are lifted when we jump in the deep end and lift Jesus high. Did you see that Ezekiel stepped in the water to his ankles, to his knees, to his waist, and then it became a mighty river? And we sang, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would lead me. You know, we, we step into this Christian life, and it's ankle deep. We trust Jesus as our Savior. We know that he is our way, our truth, and our life, our hope, all this stuff. And it is amazing. But God never meant for our Christian life to only go ankle deep. To only have, my dad used to always say, to only have fire insurance. If you know what I'm talking about. Like, I'm saved, I'm not going to hell, I'm going to heaven, I'm good. I would question that if you're okay with that. And then he stepped into his knees. And God is just so faithful to lead us along in love and take us deeper but there comes a time when we as the chosen people of God jump on in we jump in the deep end we're tired of being babies we are tired of just being fed just milk at some point we have to desire the sincere meat of the word and go forth and make disciples so when we humble ourselves when we bear witness of the light, when we serve, when we jump in the deep end, we are lifted, but we lift Jesus high, and all this stuff just gels together, and amazing, amazing things happen. So what I want to just leave you with today is you can never lift Jesus too high. Trust him. Walk with him. This journey is amazing. The scariest times in my life that I felt like God was calling me to do something I couldn't do were the verges of the biggest breakthroughs and change that ever came into my life. And it was all good, and I would never take anything for it. I would never trade it. God's will for our life is better than our plan. It is the adventure of a lifetime. It is the journey of a lifetime. When you are following God's plan and you know you are in his perfect will, it will be scary, but it will be so amazing to know that I'm living in the purpose that my creator purposed me to do, you know? So when we do those things, we, we lift Jesus high, we humble ourselves, but others around us are lifted when we're doing those things also. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word for your faithfulness, Lord. I pray that as we go into this time of just response, Lord, that the, the truths of your word would sink in deep. And Lord, the callings that you put on our life would come to the surface, Father. That we would have a hunger for your word. Lord, that we would just realize that prayer is our absolute lifeline. And God, we would not... Settle for anything less than your perfect will in our lives. I pray that you would calm the storms in our hearts. 
And Lord, to know that you are God of all, that you are in control of all. There is nothing that you cannot overcome. And with you in our lives, we are overcomers. Lord, I pray that you would help us to know that we can rest in your hands. That whatever we are facing, you fight our battles, Lord, but you want us to turn our faces to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want us, you guys can just sit where you are, and um, I just want to have a time of reflection. Um, If um, the elders' wives... The elders of our church, of y'all's church could come forward. Amy, y'all just um, find a chair or wherever y'all want to sit. And here's the thing. These ladies love y'all, like, a lot. And if there's anything that you want to talk about or anything that you need prayer about, they are more than willing to pray for you guys and to lift you up in prayer. But as we're doing that, I want to sing this song Because I know that we all face hard things, but we need to realize that through it all, God can calm us. Through it all, he will be victorious. There is light at the end of the tunnel that this will not last forever. I've heard it said, you know, and I love finding strength in in things, but I've heard it said, you know, this too shall pass. That it's not going to be this way forever. So if you guys know this, I want you to sing it along with me. to his soul sometimes he talked to himself so that's why I love this part so much because you know I do too sometimes we need to so let go
to let go my soul and trust in him the waves and winds still know his name so let go my soul and trust in him the waves and winds still know his name and when our soul gets a hold of it you guys then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou art then sings my soul my savior god to thee how 